on the wrestling podcast about nothing. He's chunky, but funky. Returning to the podcast to continue his story and whatever other stories we can get out of him, our old pal, New England wrestling legend, Sonny Goodspeed. I thought I was your chunky, but funky Mike. Well, we all are at this point, Brian. <laughs> Plus your promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast about Nothing, episode 157, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett, my longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring, and joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars. Now he is a contracted Ring of Honor wrestler, he is Mr. Inside Edition, he is one half of the Bouncers, he is the man with no first name, Brawler Malonis. Hey, you finally got it right. I did. Mike, I'm just enjoying some delicious... Uh Cadbury mini eggs here. Yeah, 50% off, right? Mm. No, not yet. Uh, you know, hopefully we can find some today. Yeah, this uh, I, I've seen some 50% off. I'm sure you're already fully fully stocked up. Uh, I got like four bags. <laughs> well, wow, you're, you're uh, behind the... Uh, I'm by, behind, behind the eight ball? Yeah. Behind the mini egg? Yeah. So, uh, Brian, uh, well, let's bring him in. Sunny Goodspeed is here, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me again. Thank you so much. Well, you weren't here last time, uh, Brian Malonis. You were not here. I no, was not. no, I was, that was with the uh, with the uh, man who doesn't want his last name said, Big Scott. S- Scott something. <laughs> yeah, Scott something or other. Yeah, yeah. Big City. <laughs> big City. Yeah, Big City Reese. Well, it's very good to have you here again, Sonny. Oh, this is a good time. I uh, the helicopter ride in was nice. I landed on the hel- helipad out back. It was good. I got through the guard dogs. Had to get the passcode. I appreciate that, Brian. Thanks for bringing that, me. Yeah, in. that Ring of Honor money buys you a lot. It really does. I, I didn't realize it was that good, but holy Christ, what <laughs> do you, it's good. It's good stuff. The Malonis compound. Wow, that's what it is. The Malonis compound. The moat outside is awesome. I didn't even think you could get alligators up here this far up in New Hampshire, but I guess you can. Sonny, you want a fun fact? I do. Gary Michael Capetta has a moat around his house. Yes, that sounds creepy. That's, that's- is that so? The <laughs> is that so the little boys can't escape? Well, then. <laughs> hey, all right. Uh, getting right into it. What are we, like uh, two minutes in? Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Brian, you saw the Avengers, huh? I did. You want spoilers? No. That, that. So, I was at a show last night, and Sidney Bacabella was on the show. Oh, no. He gets in the ring, grabs no, the mic, doesn't. and he says, ladies and gentlemen... I'm saying it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Oh, I'm saying Block your ears then. Don't, 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 don't. I says, know because I have to go back and edit it. I have to go back and edit it. He don't, says, don't. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's what he said. It was tremendous. He got so much heat. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. <laughs> you going to do some editing, Mike? <laughs> don't you have to do that one, two, three spoiler or whatever? Yeah. Um, yeah. I did see something on Twitter that... Uh, Said something like that. Are you but, gentlemen uh, going to go see that? I've already seen it. You've I already have, seen it. Okay. Yeah, I'm a fan. See, well, I am too, but I'm not a fan of sitting with a bunch of mopes, you know what I mean, in a movie theater on either side of me and in the third row from the front. So I'm going to go like on a Wednesday afternoon at like 11. 
I don't know. I, see, I went to one of these theaters that have like the. I've never been to the one of these theaters that have like the reclining seats and the, <laughs> like you you have assigned seating and it was it was lovely. It's nice. It right? was fantastic. I had, yeah. I had an end seat. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of close. Can you uh, select it? That's when you can select your own seat. Yeah. Was, so we kind of were close because that was the best we get. But I tell you what, there's something to this uh, sitting and watching a movie with your legs up and right. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's delightful. Plus it's a it's like a 14 hour movie, right? So you can take a little <laughs> nap. Yeah, and I, uh, I, uh, I got myself a nice big Diet Coke, and uh, I see right over here yes. there is a <laughs> yes, a nice big tub of popcorn. Yes, and I was a eating souvenir the popcorn. edition. I was eating the popcorn like a like a goddamn savage, you know. Like, <laughs> well, that's like, how you like, eat like popcorn. A true fat. Yeah. Piece of shit I am. <laughs> and you know, and I realized, you know, we're ten minutes into the movie and I'm halfway done this giant bucket and I'm dying of thirst now because I've just had you yeah, know, consumed four days worth of salt. That's how they get you, yeah. Yeah. And uh I'm terrified to have even a sip of my Diet Coke because I have to sit there right. for another three hours. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to get up in the middle. No, so I just sat there and suffered. Oh. I didn't even start drinking my soda till like halfway through the movie. You're a stronger man than I am. Well, I'm going tonight. You're going tonight? Saw Captain Marvel finally? No, I'm going tonight to see Captain Marvel. Oh, my oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know, you, know, you, know, we t- you have two children. Two children. I have yeah. two children. Let's pray to whatever God anybody believes in that Mike Crockett does not have a second child because <laughs> the impact of one child on this man's life has... Yeah, it's an like alleged crippled child. him. Yeah, an alleged, alleged child. child. I've yeah. never seen. I have never. <laughs> You're seen like Maxwell. best buddies, and you've never met never. Maxwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maxwell and Mike is very adept at Photoshop. It, he is. He's, that's what his. That's what his job is. But please, do not have a second kid. One, either you or your wife will perish. I'm convinced of it. You just won't be able to to even keep up with the <laughs> like having the second child. You're gonna be like, wow, I finally saw that Green Lantern. What a movie! <laughs> <laughs> that Ryan Reynolds. You guys seen this Casablanca? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tremendous. <laughs> Frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn. So your spoiler free review. Brian of Avengers Endgame. It's, it's fantastic. They tug at all the heartstrings. They, uh, they they did a good Jesus. They did a good job with this movie. It's it's feel good uh, the whole way through. I mean, there's some sad parts, but they uh, heavy material. But they manage to keep it light and funny, like MCU movies tend to be. So it's tremendous. I I loved it. I can't wait to see it a second time. That's awesome. I I'm not a. I was never a comic book guy. And so I don't know like other backstories in a lot of them, but I love the movies. My wife, we Betty and I watched the movies. We just watched uh, from the other universe. Uh, we just watched Aquaman, which was okay. You know, it wasn't. <laughs> I definitely prefer the Marvel movies for sure over the DC movies. Like I thought, Suicide Squad was good. That's DC, right? Yeah, I I bailed halfway through Suicide Squad. Did I thought you really? It was so terrible. <laughs> oh wow. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm completely out on the uh, on the uh, DC. I haven't even seen like Justice League. Me either. Nope. I I, I watched uh, Batman versus Superman. Uh, that was a piece of shit. And That's then, what I thought too. I was like, it's terrible. Ah, the whole yeah. premise was Martha. Yeah, and then the whole <laughs> premise was Batman hates Superman because of all the collateral damage, and then proceeds to cause just as much collateral damage as Superman has caused. Yes, so and the yeah, and just a one little fight scene, garbage. Yeah. It was and I, spoiler, they come fun. together because their mothers both have the same first name. That's how they come Ugh. together. <laughs> I didn't even catch on to that, but yeah, that makes sense. Terrible. Yeah. But yeah, so definitely Marvel movies, I think, are the way to go. So we are going to go see that, actually, the uh, the Avengers movie. I did watch the, whatever the last one was there. Captain Marvel? No. No, I didn't see it, so I'll, I'll catch Captain Marvel at some point. Yeah, you definitely need to catch Captain Marvel before you before watch it Before you game. see that? Okay. Yeah. All right, then I'll do that. <laughs> That's then. why I'm doing that. But <laughs> what's the one, um, 
What's the one that the Avengers just came, not just came out, the one Infinity War. War. Infinity War. So I remember I watched it on Amazon. I paid the nine ninety nine to see it on like a Tuesday afternoon. I was off, and then it was on Netflix on Friday for free. <laughs> <laughs> Pissed me right. Always happy. Yeah, got worked. Yeah, I really did. <laughs> Damn you, Netflix. Yeah. All right, we'll get into uh, more of the Sunny Goodspeed in just a second, but we want to take a little pause for the cause here, Brian. You've been off a few weeks for the pro wrestling. You need a little influx of cash, so why don't people go to BrianMalonis.com? I know, you know, my kids haven't eaten this week, and uh, you know, no, thing of course, but yeah, BrianMalonis.com, some great T-shirts. There's the Curtain Jerker WPAN T-shirt. I am collaborating with an artist. Mike, uh, on a new t-shirt right now. Really? So, yeah, so uh, hopefully in the next few weeks we'll have a new design up there. Perfect. Uh, perhaps a bouncer's design. Ah, I like mm. that. Are you allowed to do a bouncer design? Well, I can't use the bouncer's logo, but okay. I can put me and the bruiser on a shirt. Perfect. All right, so. good. Yeah, because I was looking to like, because I, I want to support you, you know what I mean, and your kids, your lovely kids and your wife, and I, I did see them today, they do look a little... Uh, Emaciated, you know. <laughs> so hey I, hey, I did get my royalty check. Uh, you did this week, yeah. Let's just say, guys. Let's just say, yeah. Kids are gonna have a good lunch at McDonald's today. Oh, <laughs> supersize you, it, right? Anything? Well, you want. let's not get crazy. Yeah. Anything you want of the ninety-nine cent menu? Limit yeah. one item, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> limit one item. Yeah. So, so good. is the merchandise going well? Yeah. Bouncers? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're you're gonna purchase one, Sonny? What's going on? I am. I'm just waiting for the right one. Ah, the right one. So yeah. so uh, they're. Spoiler alert! Uh, on the RH Pro Shop in the coming weeks, there may be some new bounce, uh, and I, I won't even say T-shirts. Items Whoa. appearing soon. Mm. Okay, so uh, keep your eyes peeled, yeah. and I'm sure uh, once everything's official, we'll share it on social media. Perfect. All right. All right. Excellent. Well, you can uh, find the social media links through the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. Also, find out where to subscribe to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. All the usual podcast platforms, including Spotify. We are on Spotify, so you can follow us there and like i said or basically at the wpan on all social media platforms plus you can see pictures read our bios uh no pictures from msg yet we're getting to it i guess yeah i haven't you know i've, I've been looking to see uh because there was several photographers ringside <laughs> like three or four of which i yelled at when i was eliminating coast to coast oh really <laughs> get the shot i i got no 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 i was i, I had them like, like double goozled and i was pushing them over the top rope i go get out of the way oh. <laughs> <laughs> i uh i went to the website i was looking for those nudes you guys speak of so often i was very disappointed That's on a premium site yeah it's on it's the premium paywall gotcha yeah. okay yeah all right that's how they get you. Yeah. I mean, you you got to pay for dongs. Get you. <laughs> pay for dongs. A dollar a dong. Yeah. You paid nine ninety nine for <laughs> for Avengers. a movie. Yeah, that I could have watched for free three days later. But you add yeah. ten dongs. I could have. <laughs> it's only a dollar for the premium <laughs> sites. Yeah, a dollar a dong. For picture. Oh, okay. For picture. All right, Sunny. Uh, we had you on episode one thirty five of the wrestling podcast now? about nothing. We're one fifty seven. So that's nominal mathematician, but that's like thirty seven later, right? Something like that. Yeah. 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 Approximately. Approximately. It's been about six months, <laughs> It's I new think. math. New math. Yeah. New math. <laughs> yeah. So uh, since I have a longer drive, Brian, I listened yeah. to la the last episode on the way up here. So I know that you and Tony Atlas had some interactions, and he really tried to help you along the way. Yeah. Same with Brian here. Yeah. Brian, Tony Atlas has a thing for big guys, doesn't yeah, he? I think he, I think Tony does. I think he, I think he likes, like, obviously, Brian's a phenomenal worker, you know, and he, I think he enjoyed working with us because we probably we made him look good because we're big dudes and we didn't hurt him yeah you know what i mean it's and funny I mean, when i first met tony i was probably like i was probably like 
450, 460 pounds. Like it was right when I first uh, first was starting, and then I and I probably went like close to a year without seeing Tony, and I lost a ton of weight. I was down like in the low three hundreds. Wow! And, and he, he goes, "Is <laughs> the quote?" Yeah, he goes, "Oh, kid." I liked you better when you was fatter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then in subsequent years, I saw Tony, uh, when, you know, I'd seen Tony regularly, 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 and then I probably went a couple years stretch, and I had put a couple LBs back on, and he just looks at me, he goes, oh, kid, you look good. <laughs> <laughs> Tony is such a freaking character, man. He is so, so bizarre, but like... Uh, but I think that's what it was, though. And I think he just took, like, because he worked with other guys when we were up at Salisbury and we went to Maine and, and uh, worked with them there. And just, I didn't see the interaction with those other guys that he had with with me. And I I, I took that. I was like, well, it's got to be something he sees in me. Then when I hear Brian talk about it, I put, you know, it's just going to be, I think, the bigger guy thing that makes him look good. Because when I worked Tony, he was probably, I mean, he had to be 50 at that point, but still looked like a freaking monster and i'm a big guy so it just made him look good that he can body slam me and do all that kind of stuff and hip toss hip toss big slam uh, yeah how'd you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah we lock up you you throw me down oh okay tony yeah you mean the same match you've been doing for 25 years (laughs) i got it it's funny i was at i was at uh tv one time for wwe booked as an extra and this is when he was managing mark henry and he actually got he like bumped around for me like got in the ring and like rolled around me, bumped around me, and like Mark Henry was like yelling at him, like "What are you, what are you doing? What are you doing?" Like that's know. crazy to me. Yeah, yeah Tony, I th- I think Tony just loves the business and still wants to work. And I think if he found a guy like you or myself and that he could just work with every weekend everywhere, he'd go until he died. Yeah, you know, I mean, Tony's I, like he's like late sixties now. He has to be. Well, if you read his book, he's. He had 37 different ages in yeah, that book. Yeah, so there's book. discrepancies yeah. on, on his <laughs> On how tall he was, how much he weighed. He went from all the way from 6'7 to like 5'4 in his book. <laughs> it was crazy. But yeah, so who knows how actually old he is, but his arms are still gigantic. Yeah, and, ridiculous. Yeah, and he's still benching more than I've ever benched in my, <laughs> you know, in my prime. He's doing reps with. It's crazy. So one time, we were up in Maine for uh, NWA on Fire, and Tony was on the show. And like across from the venue, there's a subway. So uh, like a few of us went over there, and Tony went over with us to Subway. And we're all in line. They go to Tony, you know, what would you like? He says, nine and a half. Like, what do you mean? This girl's like, well, what do you mean? Nine and a half. She's like, what? What are you talking about? This, your shoe size, nine and a half. And she's like, yes, you're right. <laughs> that <laughs> unbelievable. <is> fucking creepy. <laughs> he, he doesn't even, like, when I first got in the business, I thought that was like a, like a hidden thing or yeah. it was like this taboo thing like you didn't talk about. But not, Tony's to the point where, like, I saw him at a show in New Hampshire and he was having ladies step on his face, like out where like the crowd was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, when I, when no, I and first, he, saw, he saw the T-shirt with like a woman. Does he really shoe? Like better than that. There was a video I saw online from Mid South in the early '80s with him doing a bench press thing, wearing a shirt with a woman stepping on his face. Literally, <laughs> the early 80s. Wow. I, say, <laughs> I always, like I said, when I first got in, I thought this was like, it was like one of those weird like taboo, like yeah, if yeah. you're around Tony, you know it, but you don't right, really talk right, about right. it sort of things. And then. So that was the early 80s. I, my question is, and I think about this kind of stuff a lot, like, you know, girls that do porn that are into like the DVDA, 
you know, double vagina, double anal, right? How do you? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know the. I uh, didn't know that. That was a thing. <laughs> How do you get to that point in life? How much debauchery are you participating in? That that's what gets you off. Now, the only way I can get hard is if a chick stands on my face. How much shit have you done? <laughs> that that's what you're into. I'm, yeah, I'm always curious what the discovery process is for weird for weird things like that. Like, how do you just like? Do you just wake up one day? Like, just, wa- like does like did like somebody throw a shoe at Tony and hit his face? Ooh, you know what? I yeah. Jeez, I, got, I, I just got a little movement <laughs> down yeah, there. I like that. <laughs> like, how does that happen? Yeah, yeah. Right? How do you discover like, weird things? Because like I that? thought I like some weird shit. No, no, man. I'm I am I'm like an Amish person. I'm just, I am so straight, just fully dressed, fully dressed. Yeah. Lights off in the dark. Don't look at me. Yeah, the hat with the big brim on it. Right, exactly. Yeah. The whole bit, and then go build me a house. But um, <laughs> sandwich first, though. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy though. Like seriously, how do you get to that point that that that's what that's what gets you off? Like, I do not know. But at the time though, too, like when he was working all those territories, the stories of the rats, you probably did just you did everything you ever wanted to try yeah man i saw this in a movie one time let me try this yeah, yeah. you know and then <laughs> the life story of mike crockett <laughs> <laughs> it's like the the beyond the math thing to get two toys yes right yeah that was jake robertson yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah. yeah and i guess that's i guess that's the same thing you i get guess bored on the road <laughs> yeah you just you know what the hell can i get away with right and yeah. then what's the worst thing can say is no i'm not into that all right tomorrow night somebody will be into that you know that's my goal now you know exactly <laughs> uh you come to my hotel room bring a trout and a bucket of ice <laughs> you know <laughs> we're gonna have a nice bucket challenge yeah, we're gonna, you're damn right yep. oh yeah <laughs> it's gonna be good times <laughs> so i mean crockett it's more like uh bring six pounds of cadbury mini eggs <laughs> that'd be nice yeah. and then just leave my front door and leave <laughs> <laughs> that's a hell of a night yeah, <laughs> yeah. so we have sunny here i mean Lobster Man, Jeff Costa stories. That's oh. come on. I barely know. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we we all know how I met Jeff and whatever. And uh, the way he turned into the Lobster Man, uh, we were out postering a town, and we, I think we were in his pink <laughs> Chevy that he had, <laughs> hot pink Chevy. We're driving and we're just talking about angles and different things we can try. And he turns to me and he goes, "You know what the crowd's never seen? A three hundred pound lobster." And I go, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he's not wrong. He's exactly right. Yeah, he's just, yeah, No, nobody's ever seen a 300-pound lobster. Can you imagine what the price on that would be? Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> but um, he goes, yeah, he goes, I'm just going to do it, you know, just one time. I just, I'm going to order a mask. And then we got to his house. He ordered a mask, ordered some tights. And here we are, 21 years later, whatever it is, still doing the lobster, man. He said it was going to be a one-time thing. Just do it one time. And he just never stopped doing it. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. And I talked to Brian one time about the 3D show that he hadn't even heard about. That's like a famous story, and Brian didn't didn't hear about about the 3D show. Didn't even know about it. No, he advertised. We're gonna have wrestling in 3D. (laughs) Well, I'm like, that's it it is. It's real life, man. It's 3D. People are there. It's actually four dimensional. (laughs) He was able to sell those red and blue 3D glasses, you know, old school, for two bucks a pair to the people in the crowd, and they bought them. And this was, you can't see this because it's a podcast, but visually, this is what he would do. He was walking out to the crowd and he would go, ah, it's like I'm really there. <laughs> he would just jut his hand in and out. And the, I, uh, when they say 
the wrestling crowd is a lot like the NASCAR crowd. We all know what the meaning is there, right? We just we can't say because it's not politically correct. But my God, that show proved everything correct. That stereotype of what a wrestling crowd is, every stereotype was perpetrated on that night. That's some that's some carny bullshit. It, isn't it though? Oh my it, God. Yeah, it's so carny. It's so freaking carny. It used to drive me nuts because when Jeff taught me, you know, he'd be like, this is how wrestling is, blah, blah, blah. You know, you do one gimmick match or whatever. I've wrestled in dinner date matches. We've had roller skate, uh, roller derby matches. Like, we did a show. Tarzan's first match was on a show that was all cage matches. He was the first match. It was his first match. And Jeff said, don't use the ropes. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? So you, he's working in a cage. For his first match against his buddy Big Dave Walker, and they can't touch the ropes because the Jeff was afraid the cage was going to fall down because we had it put together with bungee cords. Oh, yeah. So okay. I don't know if Tarzan's ever told that story. Well, well if uh, the cage falls down, you just get the fans to hold it up. I, right. saw, that, I saw that at a local indie show. Oh <laughs> last my god! Year. Yeah. Okay. So it hasn't stopped. But yeah, <laughs> like it, it was carny as all hell. Like just. And Jeff ran every show like it was the last show he was ever going to run. No continuity show to show. Like one show, he had me come out and steal all the championship belts. Literally three weeks later, we come back. No talk of it. The same I, town? Same town. All the belts were back to the people. And I'm like, well, I don't understand why I stole all the belts. <laughs> like, I have no, I did, to no end. You know what I mean? But you were Captain USA and you were taking the belts? No, I was a heel at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was a heel. But I had some, as Captain USA, man, I had some great matches with, you know, the legendary. Uh, Gary Gold. Oh, Gary Gold. I, have I you ever worked Gary Gold? I have worked Gary Gold, yeah. I heard you had a two out of three falls match with him. It was two falls too many. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brian. I cut you <laughs> off. No, that's okay. Yeah. You did work him, though? Yeah. How'd did. you find him? Uh, working for uh, for Ali Muhammad in the early 2000s mm. down in like the Canton, Attleboro, Moose Lodge scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Gary Gold, Iceberg, Sunny D. Travis Funk. Travis Funk. Travis Funk. That's Some Leo, of the true legends. That's Leo Connor's favorite wrestler, by the way. You should ask him about him sometime. <laughs> he loves Travis Funk. By I the way, thank you, Leo, for letting us borrow Sonny for the episode today. <laughs> he did give me permission slip. It's in the car. <laughs> he, uh, Gary Gold, I used to think, was so fucking stiff. He still wrestles. You know that, right? No, he does not. Yes, he does. You know, Gary Gold actually has like a background. He did like He used to work for like Florida Championship Wrestling. As like a referee or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. The guy, he went to Walters, and then this is what he wanted to do. He wanted to make a, a wrestler out of himself. You know, he wanted to make this his life be work. Rick Flair. That's exactly right. He wanted <laughs> to be Ric Flair because he was the nature boy, Gary Gold. But yeah, he went and did like referee work in Florida Championship Wrestling and stuff. There's tapes of him as a referee. But he he was good. I think he was blind and didn't know it because he used to beat the shit out of me. Like, just we always had some like fun matches. You know, they were never great, but they were fun. I liked working with Gary. He was a guy that like no charisma though. Like for the Nature Boy, he just didn't have much charisma. Man, was stiff though, stiff. So we talked about this a little bit on the episode one thirty five, but we didn't really get into it. I want to get into it a little bit more. Wolfman won the lottery. Yeah, I remember I was <laughs> I was working at Saturn at the time in Nashua, and I just remember getting a phone call saying, hey, uh, I think somebody we know, and I think it might have been Jeff calling me saying, I think somebody we know might have hit the Powerball last night. And at the time, it was the largest Powerball drawing in history. It was $66 million, which now 
people who won't even play 66 million. Like, uh, yeah, I'm not going like, to waste my time. Yeah, why am I going to waste my two bucks on only 66 million, right? <laughs> so I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, he goes, stay tuned, man. He goes, you're going to be getting some phone calls. He goes, I think somebody we know hit. And then within the hour, he calls me back and he's like, yeah, Jason hit. It's Jason. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, Wolfman hit for him and his wife, sole winners, $66 million. I was I, I was floored. And I was I was excited because I thought for sure Jason loved the business. Wolfie loves the business and loved Jeff. So I thought for sure, I was like, you know, we're probably going to get a ring truck now, a, like a full-size ring. Because we were wrestling at the Hudson Lions Hall, mm-hmm. which is a giant building. And we had a short 16-foot ring in this giant building. And it looked kind of silly. You know what I mean? There's a spot for those 16-foot short rings. And a big, giant, open hall, not the spot for it, you know? <laughs> it made it look like a yeah, kid's show. I'm not a fan know? of the, the low-boy rings yeah. unless it's, like, nece- you know, necessary because of the building. Right. And, like, well, last night I was in Brockton, and they had to have the short-boy ring. And even with the short-boy ring, it was still close to the ceiling. But it was – they still drew a good crowd and put on a good show. But, yeah, so he won the, he won the $66 million, and I thought things were going to change. Then I started hearing, I don't know how long after this was, but started hearing that we're going to have, uh, there's going to be contracts doled out. And I thought for sure, I didn't think I was owed anything, or maybe there was a part of me that thought I was owed something. But there, when there were contracts put out, I, I wasn't one of the guys who got them. Like I didn't even get talked to, I didn't get mentioned, anything. It was Rip, who deserved it, Danny Patiglio, who deserved it, Kevin Hughes, who absolutely deserved it, and Jeff. And I was like, Whoa. What the hell? I spent years and years putting up this ring, tearing it down for no money, uh, helping you train guys, helping you post a show, sell tickets, everything, years. And I got nothing. But at this point, I I think I was on the outs because I stopped being a yes man. You know, like I, I started disagreeing with some of the stuff he was doing because I just didn't think it was in what he taught me. You know, it's like if you go to school and your math teacher says, this is the way we do long division. All year long, right? And then your final comes. They go, well, you need to do the long division, but all that shit I talked to for the past nine months, that's not how we're doing it. We're going to do it this way. Have fun on your test. And I was like, everything changed. And I was like, that, that makes no sense to me. So I used to I would speak up for myself. I'd disagree. And so I think I was on the outs, and I think he thought I was maybe a, a shit stirrer or whatever, which I, there's probably some validity in that. And I probably was because I was outspoken, and I didn't have problems saying if something sucked. I would say it sucked, you know, <laughs> and sometimes you can get a reputation. So, yeah, when those contracts started coming out, I was just like, this is bullshit. But I remember Wolfie pulled me aside and said, I appreciate all the stuff you've done. Now, Wolfie had only been in the business a couple of years at this point. He said, so here's going to be your pay for the next, you know, as long as I'm doing the pays. And he said the same thing to my partner, Dave. It wasn't my partner at the time, but Dave had been around just as long as I had doing the same exact stuff. DJ Barron. DJ Barron, right? Yeah. So who had worked as, you know, Slammy the Clown and Manual Labor and everything else, right? <laughs> so um, he told him the same thing. Well, I remember the first time we got paid, Dave remembers it. I don't recall so much, but Dave says that Jeff pulled us aside and wanted to know what he paid us. He wanted to make sure that we weren't getting overpaid or he wanted a cut. Dave said he didn't tell him what he got paid, and I pretty much told him to fuck off or something. So, <laughs> but what he paid me for the time was way more than anybody really deserved. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, so I was getting paid well. I was like, I'll keep working here. I did about 10 more shows, and I was just like, 
Nope, nothing's going to change except Jeff has money now, you know, because Jeff's under contract. So they bought a van. Instead of a box truck and a real, you know, like a full-size ring, they bought a van and put the 16-foot ring in the van. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, so nothing was really changing. Uh, they did hire a marketing company. And the marketing company's idea is they wanted to do these rock and wrestling shows at all these local, what are they called? Not NASCAR, but that type of thing. Like, yeah. you know, those, uh, those Race locations. Race tracks and stuff? Race tracks, right. Like, um, what's the one that Rocky Raymond used to do? Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. The Rocky Raymond used Epping, to do one Epping there. Hampshire there? No. Yeah, Epping has one, yeah, but Epping, um, Hampshire, yeah. Topsfield or whatever. All those, yeah. all those, um, all those different racetracks. He wanted to have a rock band and a country band, right? Because then they started turning rock versus country. There was guys that were for the rock team. You know what I mean? The rock and roll. Okay. And then there's guys that are country based. Super, super bizarre. I remember going up to Laconia taking photo shoots, and they were producing like really cool posters for the time. Like every guy had their own poster. I remember I got mine, and mine, you're a graphics guy. He'll understand this. Mm. Mine had a picture on it. I was like in an alley, like trash cans, some graffiti on the wall, and my name was spray painted like graffiti. It said, Sunny, good, speed <laughs> on the second line. I'm like, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, so my name was Sunny, good, and then speed on the next line. <laughs> and I'm like, what the what the fuck am I doing? You know, so I I just I stopped working for Jeff one night. We were in Manchester, wrestling at like Veterans Park or something like that, where where the Fisher Cats play now. It used to be oh, a park okay, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. J- J- Jimmy was uh, at that show and has like a my my brother uh, the Playboy Playboy, has, Playboy. A, has a ticket stub from that show. Uh, I know Tarzan's autograph is on there. Yep. I don't know who else is on there, but yeah, yeah. Jimmy was in attendance. There's supposed that to show. be there's supposed to be two nights of it, and uh, I did the first night, got treated like shit. Like, by Dan Patiglio that night, I remember specifically, and I had always gotten along with Dan. Dan Dan is a guy who's been around a long, long time. What did Dan, he work as? Dan Petty. He was he was Captain USA after I was. Okay. He was Dr. Dan Patiglio. Uh, he was one of Walter's guys. He used to do the Boston, uh, Bedlam from Boston and all that stuff. I'd always gotten along with him, and he kind of treated me like an asshole that night, and I was like, I'm fucking done. I'm going to work anywhere else but here. So I no-showed that the following night, and that was pretty much the end of me working for Jeff ever like I just didn't have any reason to ever go back I just nothing was changing and then I don't know how it all ended like with him stop running shows and you know Wolfie's involvement the whole bit because I was out of the loop at that time and I just it is I don't know that Jeff and Wolfie even talk anymore you know Wolfie's kind of secluded himself to a point up in northern New Hampshire you know probably close to your mansion here <laughs> Maybe in the same gated community. Probably yes. in the same gated community, yes. Yeah. But uh, you know, he built himself a log cabin and Wolfie's a, just a, a great guy, simple guy, you know what I mean? Just doesn't need for a whole lot, doesn't want for a whole lot. You know, I know that when he bought his first pickup truck after winning, he didn't buy a brand new pickup truck, he bought a used pickup truck, you know what I mean? He bought himself a used Corvette, realized it was way more machine than he wanted. <laughs> he goes, Nope, I'm done with this. I got rid of it. You know what I mean? Just he's completely fine with living in the cabins in the woods, you know. And just having a simple life. Well, he's the wolf man. He's the wolf man. Yeah. <laughs> it was 
Yeah, so it was uh, that was a whole interesting time that the whole Powerball thing. Yeah, it's was. amazing. Like the and, and if a wrestler wins the lottery, it's like the the dream. Like if I win the lottery, man, I'm gonna run these shows. And they did have a bunch of shows for a time where like anybody that you could think of from the 1980s WWF were on those shows. You had yeah, your Greg Valentine's, your Ted DiBiase's. I uh, think uh, Billy Eady was on some. Yeah. Ted DiBiase did a lot. Ted DiBiase, I remember friends going to those shows right in St. St. Stan's in Nashua, yep. and uh. His deal was, well, yeah, I'll come and work, but I need to be able to do a sermon, yeah. you know. So that was weird. <laughs> like, I, I, was, I was there for one of those. Yeah, after you? the main event, oh, yes. he <laughs> called people to come to the ring. Is there a story with Chadwick's? Yes, Chad Dick from the WWE. Uh, yeah, he uh, he said, you know, anybody who believes, come down to the ring, and uh, you know, we'll we'll talk or whatever. And yeah. Chad went down to the ring, and the rest of us felt bad, but we just kind of. Le- we left. We we planned like we'll leave one. At, we'll leave one at a time, so as not to leave in a big group. So yeah. uh, the rest of us just peeled off one at a time and left. There's I mean, you of, know, th- to each a, their own. Exactly. But. There's a lot of things you want to hear from the Million Dollar Man. That man's done everything in this business. Learning about God, not one of the things you want to learn from. You know what I mean? Tell me about Mid South. Tonight did. Billy Phillips tonight is a fucking mope too. He's a <laughs> fucking he. He probably got a lot from talking to God, uh, talking about God with Million Dollar Man. So I never heard about the contracts. I mean, Jamie from Chaotic Wrestling gets all the shit for having contracts in New England, but I never heard that. Yeah, because it was Wolf just Man. it was literally it was super limited guys, and I heard there were long contracts too. I heard something that like. And again, I I'm not privy to it, but I what the rumor was is there were like three to five years, and after like the third year, they stopped running shows. These guys are still getting paid by Wolfie, you know. So, so it's like I, a Bobby Bonilla kind of thing, where he's yeah, still he's still <laughs> he's still getting paid by the Pirates, right? The Mets. Oh, the Mets. Yeah, okay, the Mets. yeah, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Ridiculous. It's like a million dollars, just like a year. For, there's still like seven or eight years left on it, or something. That crazy. is insane. He hasn't played in a hot second. Probably hasn't played in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> Still getting paid. That's a hell of a deal. Yeah. Remember Je- Jeff sort of popped up like, I don't know, five, six years ago. And all of a sudden, like, Jeff started to be like a thing again. And I, I think he was around maybe Mav's shows. And, and that was the, really the only interactions. I, I had very limited interactions with Jeff in, until that point. And uh, I remember there was like a, D- I think it was like a video with like him and DC Dillinger. I was going to say, like, some sort of run in an NCW yeah. show. Yeah, because Jeff's just, I think Jeff's deal is just like shits all over everything. Yeah. He's like the New England version of like Jim Cornette. <laughs> like, exactly. Everything right? sucks. Everything's terrible. Yeah. Everything's this. And you're talking about it. And nothing for nothing. I know he's made a lot of great contributions, but you're also talking to a guy who ran a bunch of carny shows trying right. to bilk people out of money. <laughs> like, right. You're exactly I mean, right. Now, what Jeff did, Jeff obviously went and trained with Walter and then got an opportunity. To, he did a couple of TV matches or you know job matches for Vince. And then I uh, got an opportunity to go to Vancouver and took it. And he spent, whatever, 10 years there making a living. But then he comes back, and this is the part that I like. Probably in the past ten years, I've come to understand the business evolves. You need to evolve with it. You know what I mean? Like I, I think I said this in the last time. The match is still the same. Like the story is still the same. Good versus evil. Good will overcome or whatever. But how you tell it is different. You know. And you since you started fifteen years, seventeen years, right? Yeah, seventeen. Yeah, it's it's the same thing. So when you started, how things were done to today. Completely different, yeah, but the sells, same. What still sells on a on a on a worldwide scale on a large market scale it, it has has not changed. Some of the fundamentals of how you get there have, but right. the basic principles will never change. Will never change. It's the same. We we're going to the Avengers, right? Same thing. Good versus evil, right? And you hope no spoilers, but you know, good will 
shine in the <laughs> end, right? Well, I mean, that's there's you got all the you got the the people today who uh, good guys and bad guys don't exist. It doesn't work. It doesn't sell anymore. It's just like the the fucking Avengers movie is gonna make uh, you know a couple billion dollars. Yeah. Like, and you're gonna tell me good versus evil doesn't sell doesn't, anymore? Right? Exactly. Like, like, get, get the fuck out of here. Every story. <laughs> like, I, one of my favorite movies is series is John Wick. Have you guys seen John Wick? No. It's no. with Keanu Reeves. It's probably the simplest story told, right? Guy's a hitman, retires because he falls in love. His wife dies of an illness, right? So he's out of the business. But somebody steals his car, and he tries to get it back. They kill his puppy. This is the beginning of the movie. They kill his puppy. They're coming out the third movie, May 17th. This <laughs> this is how simple it is. Like, hey, man, you did me wrong. I'm exacting revenge, yeah. right? Yeah, well, like, people's idea of good and bad is, has, has changed a little bit. Like, you think, uh, you know, again, thinking back to the Avengers, like the Tony Stark character might not necessarily be a traditional baby face. He's kind right. of a prick. He's kind of smug. Yeah. So, like, you don't, like, the maybe the white meat baby face doesn't get over in wrestling anymore. But whatever somebody's idea of, of good today versus whatever somebody's idea of what evil is today yeah. will sell and will get over. And, and I think the major change there came with Steve Austin. Yeah, right, exactly. and and that's when like the days of the Rick Martell and the high knees and the clapping, <laughs> that's not getting over anymore. You know what I mean? That's not a that's not a babyface anymore. That guy would probably get booed today. You know, Olympic hero Kurt Angle is a major heel. Yeah, yeah. right. He won the Olympics with a broken freaking neck for the United States, and they shit on his house. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. Yeah, that's so crazy. What people, yeah, what people's idea of it today is different, but it's still the basic principle of of perceived good versus perceived evil. Yeah, and it's that won't change. I was, so I went to the uh, Brian Fury School, the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. I was there Thursday night, and there was a couple uh, there was a couple guys there that I hadn't seen in a long time. One of them is a he's got a little steam behind him. I'm going to sound like I'm dropping his name, but is uh, Josh Briggs. Oh, and uh, so Josh Briggs has been in the business maybe three years, four years. Yeah, right. Yeah. So to listen to him, we're watching the students. And uh, we're talking about, you know, Julian's leading the class and Brian's there as well and Johnny Vegas. But to talk about slowing down, right? And then for the, to listen to these kids that I was telling to slow down to 10 years ago, for them to say, when I say slow down, it doesn't mean do nothing. It just means slow down. And then for Josh to go, Josh to stand up and say, listen, man, I, I didn't know how to work until I figured out how to slow down. You're still telling a story. The people need to understand the story. If you're going a million miles an hour, nobody understands. They're just waiting for that final spot. That's what it is, right? Yeah. So for them to still be telling 27 years later from when I started training, hey, man, slow down. Because And that's kind of what I relate to them. I go, 25 years ago, on my first show, I was told to slow down. And I just kept thinking, don't tell me what to do, old man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and 25 years ago, I was doing nothing. So fast forward 25 years to what these kids are doing today. It's all fine. It's all the right stuff to do, but to slow it down on how you do it. You know, the application, the theory versus application, you know? What I think where guys don't understand is it's, is especially when you do something big, like you have to give people time to react and digest and enjoy what you just did or it doesn't really matter. Because, right, otherwise they're literally sitting waiting for the next thing. They don't register what they just saw because they're just like, well, he just did 37 different things. I've used that word 37 a lot today, and I apologize. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just saw 15 different things, and now I'm just waiting for the next thing. But if you do one, two, three things, but let it soak in, that's what they mean by slow down. Not slow down like, you know, 
yeah, like, like work an arm bar. Don't do, yeah, anything. don't do anything. Yeah, like you do your th- do your stuff, but give the people time to digest it. Right. You know, and, and that's something that you learn. But I don't. But I think that's what we're getting back to Jeff. Though I think that's where Jeff. Jeff thinks the business should be the same as it was in 1986 or 84 or 71 or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, headlock, just, tackle, drop down, get it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And just the times have changed. The business has changed. You know, it used to be that Charles Bronson in the original Death Wish, you know, that was a good story being told. That movie wouldn't fly today because it's so slow and it's not very violent and there's not a whole lot of action. It's very little. You know, um, they did the movie with Bruce Willis. They, they did, right? It, but I don't think anyone they retold saw it. it. I saw it actually. Oh, it was did. on, yeah, for free. It was on Amazon. My parents wouldn't let me watch that movie. Yeah, Death, Death Wish. Wish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember it. You know, and there's reasons that movies have evolved. There's reasons that all those things have evolved is because people want more. They they want the same thing, but they want more. You know what I mean? It's you still want to be able to tell that story and get to the end. Just how you get there and how you tell it is different. Yeah, you have to understand too, like where society is at a standpoint. We have we live in a society where all of us right here have our little devices here that yeah. where we can get anything we want, spontaneous, instantaneous, boom, 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 boom. Like and and, and it's on to the next thing. If something's not entertaining you, it's on to the next thing, on to the next thing. So people have really short attention spans. You have to hook them. You have to keep you have to keep them there. And and, and if you don't, then they're they're on to the next thing. They're on to the next thing. They're on. We're in, we're an instant gratification society. You're absolutely right. My wife and I actually talking about this morning because Betty and I have both been off of all social media since November. And then we we talked about it this morning. We said, man, think of how much actual time we spend together now talking versus me sitting in my chair, you sitting on the couch with the dogs. And us buried in our phones. You know what I mean? Like eight hours a day, like just be scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or Twitter (laughs) or whatever. And I don't miss it at all. The only part of the social media that I miss is being able to promote my stuff like being on the show today or like the Dropkick Kitchen or whatever the case is or me going to the show last night or showing up at Lowell next week. Wait, you're not going to be able to promote the show on Monday? Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) You can take half my pay. (laughs) But So I almost want to create one just to be able to promote the stuff. But I don't want to get sucked back in. And I don't know. I have kind of an addictive personality. I don't know that I want to, if I inch open the door a little bit. <laughs> you blow it open. I'm kicking that thing off the fucking hinges. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just, so I know myself. So I just know I got to, when it's right, when the time's right, I'll probably get back on just to promote stuff. But we'll go from there, you know? <laughs> so we talked about baby faces and heels. Which did you prefer to be, a baby face or a heel? So here's the weirdest thing, man. Because when I started... I was the red, white, and blue, the Captain USA, wanted a baby face, and I fucking hated it. I was so, I thought it was so boring, right? But I was working with guys like Kevin Hughes and and Jeff Costa. They were teaching me that when it was time to become a heel, how to be an effective heel. Like, people, I don't think they get it as easily as when they started out as a heel, because everybody goes, oh, I can't wait to be a heel. I'm going to tell people to fuck off and shut up, right? (laughs) It's easy to say shut up and get that, Oh, you know that's really you know. effective when nobody's saying anything to you. Yeah, hey, you shut your mouth. Yeah, yeah. What? I wasn't saying I wasn't anything. Say anything. <laughs> I'm on my phone scrolling, <laughs> scrolling. Yeah, but you know, like I think you work better as a heel when you've been a successful babyface because you understand the small nuances of a heel, when to kick it up, when to kick it into that extra gear, when to put that intensity on, like how to get simple heat by doing simple things like taking your thumb and just digging in somebody's eye. You know what I mean? Like, that's heat. Like, that's simple stuff, but you get blown up because you're so intense about it. So, towards the end of my career, I loved being a babyface because I thought it was really simple because I was like, now I know what to do because I've been 
a fledgling baby face trying to get over. I've been a successful heel. And now at this point, I was just like, I just want to be a baby face that doesn't have to do a whole lot. You know, a whole lot of show and not a lot of go is what Scott and I used to say, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and that's what we did. And again, we should have capitalized way more on it. We should have done t-shirts because I think as, as the baby faces of those time would have made so much more money or, or we would have made money. Would you make just two of them for you and him? I think when I did my first batch of those Chunky Bill Funky shirts, I think I did 48 shirts. I gave out a bunch, sold a bunch, and then I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, now we're talking, like you said, you're coming up with another design. Now, the way to do it is you have multiple, because there's people out there that'll be like, oh, I didn't see this one last time. I'm going to buy this t-shirt. You yeah. know, and they'll buy a shirt every time they see you. You know, like, uh, what's his name? Damon, yeah. Damon Farrow is a great, he's a great, he's great. He buys like everybody's t-shirt. He's just a yeah. great supporter of uh, New England indie wrestling, but he owns every single shirt design, two of each, and he he has one that I don't even have. Oh, really? Isn't like that crazy? I, I, well, actually, he has two that I don't have. I don't have my original black kingpin shirt anymore. Like I, Somebody stole uh, the last one I had, and then I have the yellow one of that that was online exclusive. That I never even ordered one, and he has that, too. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. So. I was at the show last night in Brockton, and I'm watching Heels with multiple T-shirts to sell. You know, And it's just... Just the business. That's how the business has changed. Because how you feel about that heels with merchandise? I don't mind heels selling stuff, yeah. like selling the stuff. I don't like when they come out right after the match. I have to tell them, you know, shut up, uh, suck it, or whatever, and then come out and go, hey man, hey, thanks for buying my t-shirt. Thanks for buying my t-shirt. <laughs> Put somebody in that spot. Yeah. Put somebody in that spot. You know what I mean? Like if you catch them after the show and you know, hey, thanks for buying the t-shirt or whatever. But right after your match or right before your match, are you going out there trying to gain heat? I'm a little old school that way. I, I think that there's still some. I think as a heel, you could still be a heel and sell merchandise. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, don't. Uh, yes, I'm playing a heel, but let me play the heel from start to finish. You know, that's my thought. Yeah, Chris Jericho would say like when he arrived at the building. Yeah, he was he was that character. He was the heel. Yeah, yeah. he wouldn't sign an autograph walking into you know the Madison Square Garden or whatever he, wherever he was. Right. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just ran right by a bunch of fans. Didn't you? So you and Chris Jericho are exactly alike. <laughs> did, 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 we, we had a bus over to to Madison Square Garden and we got there and there was just like like a ton of fans, like yeah. a ton of fans when we get off the bus and everybody's taking pictures. And I was just so damn excited to get in the building. I just, I, I just blew past people. I didn't even acknowledge him talking to me. <laughs> and I went to the building because I was, I was just excited to get in. <laughs> and he's a big baby face. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you people. I have this Madison Square Garden. This moment's for me. Fuck yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you already bought your ticket. <laughs> you had to buy a ticket. I'm yeah, fucking yeah. paid to be here. <laughs> so you, you mentioned uh, Chucky but Funky, Sonny, and... Yeah. Scott Ashworth, your partner, and then yeah. DJ Barron came on a little later on. Yep. So that whole run as a, a tag team, you really enjoyed that, I'm assuming, because I did in watching. Yeah. So we were talking about this again last night. So Bob put us together, Scott and I, on some 4th of July outdoor show that he did. Bob was bringing me in and Scott in to work with younger guys, and uh, he wanted us to work with a couple of his students. So he put us together, and uh, I had never really been a tag team wrestler. Like I did a little run as a heel team with Jeff as a Suicide Blondes. Scott had done some tagging with Baker and stuff, but nothing really. He was always a singles guy, and he put us together. And you just know that, like, um, you know, maybe this happened with you and with the Bruiser. Like, you get in there and you do your first couple of tags. You know, like, 
man, this fucking works and it's easy, you know, it's easy. So we did the match. We went probably way longer than we were supposed to because we were having fun and it was working. We get to the back and we're like, that was a good time, man. Like Scott and I had known each other a whole lot. Like, but he, again, he was a South Shore guy. I was yeah. up here. So we never really mingled all that much. We just knew of each other and talked, you know, but uh, once we got in there, it just started working together. It was like, it was, this is going to sound so fucking lame, but it was like magic. You know what I mean? Like, and then Bob just goes, Hey man, I'm going to keep you guys together. And then, uh, we did a couple more shows where we didn't even have matching gear. And then I remember I, I call him, I go, Hey man, I think we need matching gear. And he's like, yeah, he goes, well, I've been doing the black and pink. I go, perfect. I'll stick with the black and pink. Cause that's easy. And then I remember DJ Dave was ordering gear. It was black. I go, have him throw some pink on that just in case. <laughs> so he so he had some pink thrown on his, uh, on hers. I ordered gear. Scott and I ordered gear from the old K&H wrestling. You know, it's old and, school. Uh, the real old school. It's yeah. the only place I knew. It was either you're getting that four-way stretch polyester gimmick stuff that I wear, uh-huh. or you were getting pleather, you know, from somebody <laughs> in Florida. Trash you bag know? pants. Trash bag <laughs> pants, right. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of choices. So that's, I ordered our gear, and then uh, I remember we came out one time, and Bob had put together a video package for us. It was it was so fucking stupid. And it, like, I remember it would say, Chunky But Funky, and then it would have pizza in there and stuff, and like, it was like a pizza shop, because we were sponsored by this pizza. It was so bizarre. But then it, it got to the point where like, like I wasn't, I'm going to be honest, I, I wasn't making money going to Bob's, you know what I mean? I was doing it because I was having fun working with Scott. I'm sure Ash was paid. I stopped asking because I was just, I was like, whatever. He, if he has money, he's going to pay me. Otherwise, though, I'm just going down, man, because I'm having a fucking blast, like working with Andre and Minnie. Yeah. So we worked Andre and Minnie one, one time, right? The month before, they are working with the Logans. And uh, Scott and I are watching them put together this match. <laughs> and they set up chairs as corner post in the locker room <laughs> and they're working out their match and Scott and I look at each other I go I hope they don't think we're gonna fucking do this you know what I mean like cause there's no fucking way so they're literally working with the match working with the match and I'm like so now I'm dreading you know like having to work with them the next month but then we get there the next month Scott goes hey I'm not gonna say anything to him I go me neither he goes let's just stay over here if they come to us great if not we'll see him in the ring the kids knew that they didn't come near us the whole time first time we talked was in the ring and my god did we have a fucking match so fucking fun yeah it was andre and mini mini was fucking was good man yeah and andre right, man. could bump like i remember i <laughs> did a what do they call it backdrop on andre and people still talk about they're like andre just like his feet dragged the ceiling like he just took the biggest bump for me and i was like Fucking love that kid. <laughs> I, won't say, I, won't that kid. I mean, they were necessarily million dollar talents, but they're they're kind of the epitome of like million dollar talent, ten cent head sort of guy. Yes, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, because my god, they were so fun, but didn't want to talk about a single thing. You know, they were complete opposite of what they what we had seen the month before. So, but anyways, yeah, Scott and I worked a lot for a lot of people doing that chunky but funky thing. And if I couldn't make it, Dave would go. If Scott couldn't make it, Dave would go. And Dave fit in perfectly. So here's my best friend since I was seven years old. I'm getting to do what we love together. It was just so much fucking fun. Then, like, if Scott couldn't make it and Dave couldn't make it, Bob would. I I said this on on Leo's show one time. It would like dumb it down. Like he'd bring in Panther Martin, you know, and call Egghead, him yeah. Egghead, yeah, and call him like, hey, here's a T-shirt. You're part of Chunky but Funky, 
and it just diluted it. You know, I hated when those things happened. It's like the blowout boys, Brian. Yeah, just, yeah. They, yeah that was Danny <laughs> was like and those six guys, or seven. Right? Yeah. yeah, and each version of it just got Antonio you know Thomas I mean? was a blowout boy eventually. <laughs> yeah, right. Fran- like, Frankie Arion. <laughs> yeah, see, that makes no sense. Yeah. You know, it just dumbed it down a little bit, and I was just like, when it was just the three of us, and we got to do six bands working with uh, the team, the D unit, Rocco Bruzzi, Clip mm-hmm. O'Reilly, and Doug Summers. Yep. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Bob's like, hey, teach these kids how to work. But like, all right. <laughs> Give it a shot. Yeah. A lot easier said than done. <laughs> but doing six man with these guys. And uh, luckily, we, Scott and I were both like, you know, we were we're both alpha males, and Dave was kind of just like, it, not that Dave's not an alpha male, but we'd go, all right, Dave, you're taking the heat. He'd be like, all right, man. <laughs> and just He'd go in there and take all these bumps and getting punched in the face and kicked in the mouth and everything. And Scott and I are like, oh, geez. Hey. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of tag teams, uh, eventually you formed a tag team in Chaotic Wrestling. You made your way to Chaotic, and you're a tag team with Dr. Reginald Heresy, and you had a different name. I did. So I had had uh, lap band surgery, and I was out, and I thought I was done wrestling, all right? And then I I lost a bunch of weight, and I was feeling good, and I go, you know, I I think I can work some more. I'm going to do this, but I go, I'm going to do something different. And I'd been hanging out with Joey a lot, and uh, he goes, oh, I'm working down for Mike Milano down. Is that his name? I yeah, think so. Connecticut yeah, there, in right? Connecticut, yeah. right? He goes, I, he goes. I think we could put you together with the Heresy and have a good time. And I'd known Heresy for a long time, so we talked and we came up with this gimmick called Intervention. And I said, well, I don't want to be Sunny Goodspeed because people are going to relate Sunny Goodspeed to Chunky. B-. I go, I'm going to use my real name. So my real name is Orlin Eugene Goodspeed the Third. So I said, that's going to get heat because it's a heel sh- name. If I that's ever a heel name, one. right? Yeah. <laughs> I go, that's what I'm going to use. So it was Doctor Reginald Heresy. Orlin Goodspeed with our manager Joey Eastman. We are intervention. And uh, we went and worked for Chaotic a little bit and we worked for Milano down there. That was fun too because Heresy's been around a long time and he can work. And Joey, you throw Joey into the mix of anything and there's instant heat because he's a fucking heater. <laughs> so, you know, he just he knows how to work and get heat. So that was fun too. That was short lived though. We didn't really work a whole lot for Chaotic. We did a couple of shows. I remember we worked with Tommaso and Maybe it was Max with a, a team. Sounds or right. Yeah. yeah. And I remember Tommaso punched me in the eye and and bloodied up my nose and swole my eyes shut. Sounds about right. That that era. Yeah. Of I'm sure he deserved yeah. it. I probably did. I probably yeah. mouthed off. I remember. I, then I took a bump to the outside, and Joey was wearing a white jacket. I remember, and I just fucking spun my head around, blood all across <laughs> his white jacket. He's like, he just stopped working. He's like, son of a. Bitch, <laughs> like you just had blood all over. My eye would literally was closed shut. Yeah, that was good times, man. But yeah, we didn't work like we didn't work a whole lot for chaotic because I don't know if I said it last time, but I didn't feel comfortable in the chaotic locker room. Yeah, I was that, gonna that ask era, you that. that era of chaotic was very strange. There was very lots of very segmented locker room. Nobody really liked each other. It was <laughs> like, I don't know it, where it was I was. A, I was just kind of changing by myself, I guess. I didn't really understand. You always had your head like if there's any even like sniff of conflict, you'd like fucking hid in the closet. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, like so the one person I talked to the most in those locker rooms was Nikki Rocks or Rick Fuller, you know? Mm-hmm. But you you're exactly right though. I didn't know what was going on, like because I didn't like I didn't hang out. There was clicks, you know what I mean? But you could definitely tell there was these guys, and then there was these guys, and then there were these guys, you know, all in separate areas of that PAV. Yeah. And it was it was awkward. Like, there's like the WFA guys. Yes. And there was like the the Logan's yep. Chase like kind of crew. And there was like 
me handsome Tommaso Max, yes. and there was some intermingling among, but not a lot. But not yeah, there were definitely segmented guys of like yeah. like I didn't fucking roam outside my my little crew. And like I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the reason was, but like I remember telling Doc like the first night in, I'm like, is it always this tense in here? And he was like, well, yeah, kind of. I'm like, this is this is not fun. Like it's not fun. And and I always found it was very odd. And uh, I remember, like, we're wrestling at, essentially at a bar, and I'm Jamie, you know, doing a spiel at the beginning of the show. No cussing, no bleeding, no work in the, you know, like, give the guys a little leeway. Let them, you know, like, you hire professionals, let them be professional. Like, and if it doesn't work, then you tell them to go. Like, yeah. but it was very, it was very, the crowds are always great. They always drew an awesome house there, and the crowd knew all the storylines going in and everything, but it was just, in the back, it was weird. It was just—it wasn't a lot of fun for anybody. <laughs> I, well, that's good to know because I honestly thought for the longest time I thought it was me. I go, I go, man, I could fit in pretty much anywhere except the chaotic locker room. No, you I mean, know? a lot of it was too. I mean, I'm not blaming anybody because we're all individuals and we all have to be own our own behaviors. Yeah. But a lot of it was from situations probably at the school, um, the the WWE carrot always being dangled. Um, yeah. Some of us drinking the chaotic kool-aid full bore others not um i i firmly believe and jamie and mike will get upset or firmly deny it but there we go there was there was and you you can feel free to agree or disagree i'm sure you, you won't agree publicly um but there definitely was pitting groups against each other pitting people against each other stirring the pot there was that going on it wasn't very fun at that era yeah. of god and i could see that there like i i could because i could probably i could guess that there was probably some feelings of people being shown favoritism because well Tommaso looks like Tommaso you know what I mean and yeah. then and then there's Brian who's a completely different cut from Tommaso you know he doesn't look like and at the time they were, you know WWE's looking for guys if, they were looking if, for guys that look like me no, right they were looking for guys who look like Tommaso but a foot taller you know yeah. what I mean like yeah so but he's gonna he's the closest we have so I but I could definitely see that and understand that like the feeling of that because Nobody wants to be put in that position, but it's. I guess it's like any job in life. You don't have to like everybody you're working with, but you're spending 10 hours a day with them, so you got to find a way to get along. And if that's just by not talking to them for 10 hours, then, then that's what you do. So if you don't talk to somebody for four hours in the locker room together, guess what? The show's going to go on. I'm going to go home. I'll see you next week, you know? But it was it was definitely weird. And I remember talking to Harrison and Joey about it, and Joey... I, not that he's oblivious to it, he just didn't give a fuck. He was just like, oh, yeah, you know, well, so he does. <laughs> Everyone's just tense towards me. Yeah, that's, yeah, but it was it was just awkward. It was just awkward. And then getting paid my envelope with my check at the end of the night was weird. The whole thing was weird. <laughs> yeah. So I know you're not wrestling as much as you used to, if at all. I think you came out and did like one show for the aforementioned Rock or Bruzy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what caused you to kind of wind down? So I, I was just talking to Julian about this. Like I remember um, getting booked like in, I think it was like Fall River one night or something for a Friday night. And I go, if I leave at 5 o'clock with traffic, I'm probably not going to get there till almost 8 because it's a two-hour drive. Mm-hmm. I go, man, that's a long fucking drive. You know, to work for uh, – Ryan Drew wanted me there, you know. Um, I didn't know how Ricard felt about me. I knew the pay wasn't great. And I was like, I could just stay home with my wife and kids and go grab dinner and be a mile from my house and not make the 25 bucks or the 50 bucks, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to cost me that in gas and time. I go, I'm just going to stay home. So it stopped becoming 
fun at one point, you know, just going to these shows. Like I was dreading the drives to those Fall Rivers and the Moose Up Connecticut's and or the Plainfields and just dreading it, getting there and then doing the thing. Once I was there, like we had talked about this, I think one time, once you get there, it was fine. You know what I mean? Because you're around all the boys, you're having fun, you do your 10 minutes of work in the ring. But then you go, oh, I got a fucking two hour drive back. <laughs> Ugh, you know, and uh, it just stopped becoming fun. So I just stopped taking, like, I, I'm a firm believer that wrestlers don't ever really retire. They just stop taking bookings. I think Brian you know? Fury confirmed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was he had 17 comebacks already? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All successful, though. So, but then, and then the reason I came back for Rocco is like I came back one time before back in a couple of years ago. Johnny Idol had asked me, he said, hey, man, I'm, I'm winding down. He goes, and I'm going to have two more matches, and I want one of them to be a tag with you and Ash. It would be me and Marshall McNeil against you and Ash. And I was like, yep. You know, I love it. Like, uh, Western Mass there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We had, I'd seen you there. Right? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that for sure. You know, I, I would do that 100 times. John, I love Johnny Idol. I love Marshall McNeil and yeah. t- tagging with Ash again. Ash and I hadn't teamed at that point in probably seven years. We both strapped up the black and pink, and we were like, <laughs> let's go to work and do the same exact thing. And then Rocco would contact me and said, hey, I'm running a show in December or whatever. I want you to work at AG. I go, absolutely. I go, that'd be fun as shit. So I agreed. He goes, AG can't make it. Who would be your next choice? And I go, so like, I'm trying to think of a young kid who can gain something from it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so there was this kid, uh, he works as top shelf Troy Nelson. He does a drunk gimmick okay, up in, yeah, I know, I know, yeah, Troy up Nelson. in uh, Limitless or I'm whatever. In fantasy baseball league with him. I don't think he works anywhere but Limitless. And he's not like the greatest guy. The gimmick is good. The limitless crowd fucking loves this kid. This you would think this kid is fucking Hulk Hogan up there. So I worked with him at this little bar that we wrestled at in front of. There were literally eleven people because uh, I counted them all. <laughs> you had time, and, right? I had time. I walked out <laughs> and I go, them like a Walmart greeter." Yes, I go. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. I counted eleven people. So I looked at Troy. I go, "Hey, man, everything we talked about." Yeah, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> I said, you know, and the people were just laughing, and I was just like, like I didn't care about exposing the business to the eleven drunks. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm good. So then, then that was the last match. And just if something intrigues me, I would come back. You know what I mean? I I think I could. Wouldn't take long to get my you know the wind under me again, and uh, and come back if it intrigued me. Like I don't know that I could do that steady schedule again. You know, like three weekends out of the month, and you know, but. You know, show here and there, or just a quick six month program to tell story. You know, tell a good story, help somebody get over. I I could do that again. You know, if you're looking to get out of the house, right? I am now that like (laughs) so. I I got you know, I was in the restaurant business. I was out every night, and a restaurant business being the front of the house is a lot like wrestling. You know, you're in front of a crowd and you're entertaining, and that's kind of what I missed when I stopped wrestling. So working the front of the house, being the front of house manager in restaurant. You freaking different crowd every night, you know, like a, a part stand-up comedian, part, you know, entertainer, part MC, whatever it was. Try the veal? Yeah, try the veal. <laughs> like, the push the fish, it's turning. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's just, and that was a blast. And then when I got out of that, now I'm sitting home Friday nights and I'm like, oh, I can't wait for 10 o'clock. Blue blood is on. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I can stay awake. You know, what, what's, what, what's Tom Selleck going to do tonight? You know, <laughs> like, and that's, that's my life now, which I love because I have Betty by my side. The kids are out of the house. I have my dogs and that's it now, you know. But if, again, if the opportunity arose, I would come back. I would do something. Yeah. 
And you mentioned uh, the restaurant stuff. You're doing the show with Leo, Dropkick Kitchen, where yeah. you're. It's a cooking show. It's a cooking show, which is so awkward because if you ask my kids, if it wasn't for my wife, my kids would be dead because I can't cook for <laughs> shit. Um, I tried cooking them one time, roasted potatoes, and I remember my daughter trying to eat one, and this is her exact quote. It feels like I'm swallowing a rock. <laughs> <laughs> so cooking was not my forte, but I love the restaurant business. I love that part of it. The front of house, Leo, was a cook for years and years. So Dick, the producer at the at his show, I did the show one night, and Dick said to me, hey, hey would you be interested in doing a cooking show? I go, fucking absolutely. <laughs> Leo, I saw him physically dejected. He's like, because Dick had asked him, and he goes, nope, I have no interest in doing that. But I go, absolutely. So he knew. He goes, well, now I have to do it. Right? So we're doing one show a month. We filmed one show in January. It was supposed to be aired before the Super Bowl. It went for an hour long. I thought it was it was an hour. It was too long. Half an hour is the way to go. It never ended up getting aired. We get a call in March or something, the beginning of March. And we're like, hey, we're ready to air that thing. I'm like, no, don't air it. We're all we talk about. We talked about the Super Bowl, which <laughs> happened, you know, two months ago. I go, let's film a new episode. So we filmed one, nailed it in a half an hour. I actually did homemade potato chips. And Brian, you and I talked about being on that whole thirty thing. Yes. And on the whole thirty thing, you do use a lot of like clean food, like that you make. So we had taken to making homemade mayonnaise. Yeah. I think it tastes better than store bought mayonnaise, and it's healthier. I mean, it's still fatty, but it's yeah. healthier. So I took that homemade mayonnaise, and you can make homemade ranch. So I made homemade ranch dipping for our chicken fingers that we made, and I and I did house fried potato chips. You know what I mean for it, and uh, that's about my speed. Like I can cook if I need to. I just don't like to. I just like to talk. <laughs> yeah, you're the entertainment portion. Yeah, exactly. I'm the, right. Exactly. You I'm the guy. The that, me role of this podcast. Yes, I don't, right. I don't, don't want to do any of the actual work. I'll be a, just cut your mom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just when the light goes on, let me know and I'll be there. Yeah, exactly. I don't. Yeah, don't, don't do that. I don't want the frying pan that shit like that. Right, Mike. What? <laughs> I don't do any of the, I don't do any of the heavy lifting. None of the heavy lifting. It is true. You and I were shooting the shit, and Mike's in here running cables and <laughs> his gaffers. And is that here's, what they're called? Here's what I do. Here's what I do. Here's what I do. I show up and I and I provide entertainment and I open my wallet. That's my <laughs> that's my contribution. Open to the, your wallet to the podcast. Nice. Right? By the way, yeah. I need a lunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me up a Better bit. call your wife. <laughs> Honey, get some empanadas on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. But yeah, the cooking show was. So fun. I don't know that we did it live, but we put it out there. And this is an opportunity, like I said, where I'd like to be back on social media because we're a little over like 130 views on it, which isn't a lot in two weeks. But I know that if I was on social media and I was back on Facebook and I had the 5,000 friends again, I could push it out there and get that view up a lot. You know, my goal, honestly, is I've always thought this is going to sound so stupid, but I've always thought I'm destined for something bigger than living in a 14,000 town in the freaking southern New Hampshire. You know what I mean? Like, just being a guy. I've always thought something. There's something out there bigger for me, but I'm not going to get discovered in freaking Milford, New Hampshire. You thought, you thought you'd be living in something like the Malonis compound here. Yeah, so maybe gotcha. a, a something with uh, less wings. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I could just live in the east wing of, this, of the compound. There you go, yeah. Yeah, but... um. We don't just something. Swing, though. You don't? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Only, only I'm allowed in the east wing. That's oh, my that's private it. wing. That's that explains the security door. <laughs> yeah, that's where all the porn is. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I, I always thought that like I, and this is in my head. This is the God's honest truth. I go, this cooking show. This is gonna be my way onto Ellen. 
and then the Tonight Show. Because I'm going to say something so fucking ridiculous because I don't have a filter. I'm going to say something so stupid or ridiculous on it that somebody's going to go, did you fucking see this guy? And then I'm going to get a call from an Ellen producer and go, hey, uh, Ellen wants you to come fucking cook. I'm like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. And we'll get Leo there with his Lowell accent. And, uh, and, uh, super, super loud. I fucking love it. I love it. Yeah. But, uh, we're going to be cooking on Ellen. <laughs> and then the Tonight Show. I can feel it. Yeah. Crazy how, how, like, we had Leo on, uh, on the podcast. And it's crazy how I think about how long I've known Leo. I've literally known Leo since the beginning of, of my career. Yeah. He's been around like forever. He's just, and here's the thing: he still thinks like last night. I took him to the show. He we we went to the show together, and uh, he's asking me on the way down. He's like, "Oh, how much are tickets?" I go, "Leo, man, you're with me. You're not going to buy a ticket." He's like, "This is the first show I haven't had to buy a ticket for." I'm like, <laughs> "I go, it's okay, Leo. Like you, you hang, you're like with us now. You know what I mean? You're not in the business, but you're." What's, you're what's right. the word? Yeah, yeah you're you're business all right. Adjacent. Like, bus- that's it. Business adjacent. <laughs> like you're gonna be okay. And he's hanging out with us after the show. And we're walking to my car after. He's like, "Holy shit, that was awesome!" I go, "Dude, that used to be every weekend, man. We'd hang out, <laughs> talk for two hours after the show, watch Ryan Drew get hammered." <laughs> Sorry, I just called you out, Ryan. But um, you know, and just watch, <laughs> just listening to him shit on everything possible, and. uh he keeps asking me why I hate him and don't love him, and then just, all right, pack up, time to go home. You know, and then He's talking about Ryan Drew or Mark Sherman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have those conversations, with Mark Sherman. Why don't you like me? I, I do. You're fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're okay. I, I don't know how many times I have to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's crazy. Well, Sonny, I really appreciate you coming back for part two of the uh, Sunny Podcast. And Brian, good to have you here finally. Thanks. Are we going to keep Sunny around for the of course, promo yeah. about nothing? Oh, yeah. I can't wait for this. Yeah. Right. We, had, we had a couple more things here. We're going to get out of the way first there, yeah, Brian. Yeah. we got to read well, some no, stuff. Me and you aren't going to talk for like 10 no, minutes. No. We, got work. <laughs> just, we, we, we just do. hang out. Croc has got work to Feel do. Feel free to play on your phone if you'd like. All right, cool. <laughs> well, we want to hear from you out there, folks. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our discussion with the great Sunny Goodspeed. Use the hashtag WPAN so we can find you and respond to you. Also, you can call the voicemail line. Call in. Let us know what your thoughts. 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Get your voice on this show. Call the number 401-584-9726. And uh, how about Booking the Territory? How about it? That's another great how about it. That's another great podcast with Mike Mills, Harbor Day Harper, and Doc Turner. They do two podcasts a week on Sundays and Thursdays. It's Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It's the old NWA Saturday Night 605 show. MikeMills.podbean.com. Big things happening over there on Booking the Territory. Really happy for Mike Mills and everything he's got going on. And another retro wrestling podcast we're gonna talk about is our vantage point. The retro wrestling podcast with Little Joe Murata and Michael Quinn. <laughs> Joe Murata's going to come at you with all the uh, fury of Hornswoggle. Well, I mean, I, I take all the fat jokes. So why can he take some <laughs> short jokes? He's a wee little gentleman, Joe Murata. But he's good with the audio, and audio, he's good with the, the podcasting. audio is pristine. It sure is. So check out OVPpodcast.com for everything they have going on over there on our vantage point. And PW, Peter Winson, is probably still in full Baltimore Orioles regalia. Doing these Greetings from Allentown podcast. Check out Greetings from Allentown. He talks about one single episode of wrestling television, and it's just him, just PW, and you go inside of his mind and hear all of his innermost thoughts. So check out him on his own feed or the Pro Wrestling Only feed on Place to Be Nation. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling podcast with uh, Jason Stewart 
Adam Sauls, or all the rest over there on the Rundown Wrestling Network. There's a whole network over there, rundownwrestling.com, to find out more. So check that out and enjoy. All right, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, you, Brian, are hitting the highways, byways, and airways. Crisscrossing the screen. Most, of ours. Mostly the airways. Yes. <laughs> Plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you got dates. I do, Mike. Uh, we'll start with Ring of Honor's War of the Worlds Tour, night three on Saturday night, May the 11th, ah. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Just announced the Bouncers versus Evil in Sonata. How about that, Mike? Little uh, L.I.J.? Yes, yes. A rematch of sorts. We wrestled them in a six-man tag uh, with uh, Naito and Lowell, but now it's just the Bouncers versus Sonata and Evil. Uh, big opportunity for us. Uh, we've been on so we've been on a roll, Mike. I, don't, I know you don't watch the program, but uh, uh, <laughs> the Bouncers have been racking up the Ws lately, so this would, I think, firmly put us in contention for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Listen, man, if you want to make a name for yourself, I'm a firm believer, just shoot on them. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they can't beat you, hold them down. Um, if yeah. you think you can beat me, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. That's well, wrestling's real. Yeah, it is real. That's a true story. When you when you get when you get up there, it, oh, it is. When yeah. you get to the okay, all right, the next level. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, understood. The the very next <laughs> night, uh, night four, the final night of Ring of Honor's War of the Worlds tour in Chicago. Uh, that is television. Excuse me, I should say May the eleventh. You can stream it live on Honor Club. Ah, uh, if you're course. an Honor Club member. Uh, the next night is TV. That's tape for TV, so you can't stream that. But uh, you can catch it on, um, I don't know, whatever local network. Yeah. <laughs> Nessun still playing it? Um, I don't know because I have PlayStation View and they drop Nessun. Oh. And so screw them. Uh, I'm dropping PlayStation View and I advise all, all the people out there, <laughs> drop PlayStation View. Screw them. I can't even watch the Red Sox right now, so i got to find a new streaming provider. Uh, but I just paid the bill, so i got to uh, stick with so it for a month. you to wait for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, May the 18th, the Saturday night, I'm making my Wisconsin debut in I don't even know how to say this, uh, and I don't want the great people in this town to Mini hate Milwaukee? me. No. Uh, oh, West w- Alice. W- uh, Waukesha? Oh, well, oh, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> she does Waukesha. That she does that it's Waukesha. Waukesha. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's oh, what it is. Right. Wa- I'm coming to yeah. Waukesha, Wisconsin for Brew City Wrestling. I'm teaming with the Beer City Bruiser. Very excited to uh, be coming to the Milwaukee area. Never wrestled in uh, in Wisconsin, so lots of new, de- new debuts. Speaking of new states, Mike, I got two of them coming up right at the beginning of June. Uh, Ring of Honor is going to Kent, Washington on June the 1st and Portland, Oregon on June the 2nd. Me and the Bruiser will be there for both nights, so... Like in like three weeks, man, checking off three more states off the uh, off the old bucket list. Uh, June the fourteenth, I'm heading to Lowell, Mass, old stomping grounds, chaotic wrestling, oh. returning, returning there. And then at the end of the month, six twenty eight, uh, June twenty eighth, that's a Friday night. Uh, it's the best in the world pay per view in Baltimore, and the very next night, it's the best of the world TV taping in Philadelphia. That's awesome, keeping yourself busy. Yes, sir. Right on. Yeah, and if uh, well, you, this is your part. I won't take your part. If you want to book the Kingpin, email brianmalonis at comcast.net. Doing your work for you, Brian. Thank you. Or you can DM him on Twitter at Brian Malonis. Slide to those DMs. If you want to book me, you can send a self-addressed stamped envelope <laughs> to 21 Spruce Street in Milford, New Hampshire. <laughs> Care of the good speeds. And uh, make sure don't... St- Self-addressed stamped envelope because I ain't paying postage to send a booking feedback. <laughs> no CODs. Right. No CODs. Yeah, that's bullshit. All right. <laughs> this week's promo about nothing is from the year 1996. And we are going back, I think it's the second week in a row, to World Championship Wrestling, WCW. And this promo, there are two tag teams involved. We're talking about tag teams a lot today, Sonny. We got the Nasty Boys on one side 
Can, can I stop for one second? Do you, oh. do you know something? To, I don't think I've told you. I think I've told you this, but we haven't said it in the air. My son is obsessed with Pity City. First off, <laughs> <laughs> obsessed with Pity City. Oh my god! Yeah, and uh, he has an interesting name for the nasty boys. What does he call them? The Yucky Mans. The Yucky Mans. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, if, if you want to refer to them as the Yucky Mans, too, Mike, feel free. <laughs> That's kind of the same. Like, I, think, I mean, it's not wrong. No, I think I think that was their original working name. And like, uh, I mean, bit, if they showed up in NXT shady. today, that'd probably be their yeah. name. Yeah, the, the yuck- Yucky Mans. The Yucky Mans. Yep. <laughs> so let's see. Let's see. Nasty boys. You guys are older now. Yeah, you're the Yucky Mans. <laughs> yucky Mans. Oh, not Mans. 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 Yep. mans. That is yep. awesome. Yucky Mans. All right, so oh. the Yucky Mans are there. With Rick and Scott Steiner. Already a classic. Promo about There's nothing regulars. So let's send it down to Gene Urkelin in this week's promo about nothing. In the confines of the locker room here, I'm joined by the Nasty Boys along with the Steiner brothers. Later on in this show tonight, they're going to be locking up the winners, by the way, on August the 10th, the next WCW pay-per-view, Hog Wild. One of these teams will be meeting the Harlem Heat for the WCW Tag Team title, Scott. You know me, Gene, I can't agree with the way Harlem Heat won the belts or how they beat us last week when Colonel Parkland hit my brother in the head with the cane. Didn't hurt. But if we had to face the Nasty Boys tonight Get to see who... Out of his face. Hey, shut up, fat hey, soul. Yeah, I can't I say I like the way you guys act. I can't say agree the way you guys look. But I do respect... You're wrestling ability. You guys have been champion before, so have we. Tonight, we're going to see who the better team is. Hey, hey, I don't care and knobs don't care about your stinking problems with the Harlem Heat. All I care about is me and Nobbs winning that match tonight and who's going to get that title shot. You've been down Nasty Boulevard before. You walked it. You know what it's about. I know you can fight, and we ain't backing down. That ain't an interview out there. It's Nastyville. Hope you're ready, punk. Yeah, keep talking. I'm not your other I don't think it's Nastyville. Come down to the dog pile and get down where it gets real nasty, boy. You see, my nose is to the ground. I smell them. I smell the heat. I'm coming after you, boys. I got you. Nasty boys, you're getting away. It's just something going to be personal. All I know, all I know is they're in for one hell of a match. Because us guys getting together, it's going to be Fourth of July all over again. We respect you. You respect us. Thank you, gentlemen. Why do we get a mess like this? These four men are going to be meeting later on here when WCW Monday Nitro continues on TNT. So where do I buy my ticket for that show? Because that made me buy a ticket. That is selling seats. That is, yeah, that is something else. I think it's worth mentioning because this is an audio podcast. That was not Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner. That was still like University of Michigan yes, jacket was, wearing yeah, Scott Steiner. Yeah, that was Steiner. collegiate mullet wearing Scott Steiner. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's starting to cross over, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the, uh, wow, just bad. At one point, I don't appreciate he hit my brother in the head with the cane. Uh, it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? And you see Gene trying to get the microphone away from Rick as he's barking and doing whatever the hell he's doing. And he, he has to keep coming back to him because he won't stop talking. Yeah, he said at one point, what do you say? I think it's it's not that nasty, but you should come down to the dog pound because that's nasty. Boy. What? Boy? Yeah, what? It's, you know... I don't. I almost don't blame these guys. It's any time like you have to have two people have like a face to face promo like that. It's so 
damn awkward. So shame on the producers. Yeah. Saying like, hey, you know, we got these babyface teams. Let's just have them cut promos about each other together. It's yeah. stupid. Even though thing. they're going to be wrestling in eight minutes, let's let's yeah. put them in the same room. <laughs> yeah, it's then- it's like a step up from even. Let's get in the ring together and do a promo. Let's get backstage, or like even more close. <laughs> yeah, together. five bodies. Yeah. Yes, real tight shot. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. And Scott saying at one point, I don't appreciate, I don't respect the way you look, the way you talk, the way your hair looks, your breath, but your wrestling ability, spot on. <laughs> huh? What? I think you're a shitty person. You tip terribly. Yeah, just you're a terrible driver. I think you're a yucky man. I think you're a yucky man's, <laughs> but your wrestling ability. You are a okay in my book. <laughs> I just remember you, you can uh, you can wrestle. Yeah, you you my friend, you got it. I just remember Bobby Heenan uh, describing Jerry Sag's elbow off the top. He calls it a five point landing. Yeah, <laughs> like every part of his body hits before an elbow. That's, that's a, I mean, the Nasty Boys. Everything they did looked so sloppy and dangerous. Am I right? Didn't it? Like I, I always yes. remember going. I don't ever want to go do TV because I'm probably going to get put with those guys and die. <laughs> like, it just died because they would just, the Steiners would just would kill you, but they would look good. The Nasty Boys would just kill you because guys like underrated like, had like a job for so long. I don't, I didn't understand. They were it. employed like all through the 90s. Yeah. Like crazy. Yeah. It I was think crazy. That's the epitome of. You see those guys in the airport, you know there's something. They get the hair, you know, Jerry Sags missing the tooth. They just <laughs> yeah. look like wrestlers. Yeah. Yeah. You even if you don't know, you look and you go, those two guys are somebody. Right? Yeah. That's yeah, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. Just because they draw attention, you know. And they're not small guys. No. So yeah, they just draw attention. That's crazy though, because they looked so terrible doing what they did. <laughs> so the yucky man's with a yucky promo, <laughs> yeah, right? Yucky <laughs> yes. All right, you heard this promo, but now think if you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the wpan.com. All right, time to get out of here, Sunny. Once again, thanks so much. Can I promote my uh, social media, please? You can find me on the internet on the instant messenger. From is that what it's called? Fate messenger. AIM, yeah. Yeah, no, not that stuff. The the one with the little squiggly gimmick from Facebook. Oh, you're, on, you're on there? You can find me on that. Yeah, whatever that is. I'm Sonny Goodspeed. Okay. Yeah. Send, send nudes? Send, no. <laughs> yeah, Why are you uh, No. And, uh, but if you want me on your podcast and the pays right, you want me to come do commentary on your show or just come, you know, shit on your guys, I'll do that. Just, yeah, send me a message. Yeah, Brian's opening up that wallet. We can get you a couple bucks, too. Perfect. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll Mike, s- Mike's good at spending my money. But, nice. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, Brian and I will be back here next Monday for episode 158 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then. For Sonny Goodspeed, he is the brawler Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko. And thanks for nothing. Nothing.